NLP is easiest described from my perspective in three ways. Way number one is communication. The bucket number two is going to be how the mind works. So understanding that everyone has their own model of the world. And it sounds very elementary and basic, like, yeah, of course, we're all different. But when you can really understand that and you really understand that everyone's doing the best they can with their current level of consciousness, the way that you operate and move, especially in a sales call, is completely different. And number three of that bucket is change work. So different techniques that we can do or different processes that we can use um, to help people. One of them is going to be like releasing a limiting decision or a limiting belief. We have a process where we can walk through someone's timeline to release the moment they decided to believe something. Hey, hey, welcome back, gorgeous one. I am excited to introduce Cody G to you on today's podcast where we are talking all about how you can have better sales conversations. I absolutely love this episode. I know you are going to love it as well. And so I cannot wait to dive in with you. Welcome to the Brand Builders Lab podcast. I'm your host, Suze Chadwick, founder, author, speaker, and bold branding and business coach. Right here on this podcast, you'll learn how to create an epic brand, profitable business, get marketing savvy, and we'll help you find the confidence to step up as the CEO to scale and grow. Ready? Let's go. Hey, welcome back. Amazing to have you here. I hope that you are having an amazing day and week and month and year, whatever it is that you are doing. I am sitting here in my office. The sun is streaming in. I am smelling and enjoying a beautiful candle and I have had an amazing conversation this morning with Cody G, who you are going to meet on this podcast. And he is one of my new friends from Clubhouse. I know that I obviously haven't spoken about Clubhouse much, jokes, but, <laughs> but, but I've met some really awesome people. And so I'm excited to introduce you to him. Cody G is a former sales manager leading a team of 30 sales professionals doing seven figures monthly and now he helps people break free from the chains holding them back in life by training and certifying them in neuro-linguistic programming or NLP as we like to say. And I actually found Cody on Clubhouse. He's been running some NLP rooms and hanging out with one of my faves, Chris Doe and talking all things sales mindset, sales conversations. And I absolutely love the way he talks about this. And so obviously for your benefit, I wanted to have him on the podcast so that we could talk more about this because I know, because I speak to so many of my community and my listeners and my clients all the time, that this is something that some people struggle with, sales conversations. You're worried it's going to feel pushy, icky, that you're not going to be able to have the conversation, that you're going to have to deal with sales objections. I want to speak to my husband. I want to think about it. Not right now. All of those sorts of things. And so we tackle some of that in this episode, which I'm really excited to share with you because Cody and I both believe that selling is serving. I talk about it all the time. If you come and join me in Brand Builders Academy, I'm going to teach you how to run a business and pay yourself because that is one of the biggest issues that I see for women in business, not understanding how to manage money, not paying themselves well, not stepping up and showing up and doing the work that you so desperately want to do. And so 
when I decide not to sell that, when I decide not to show up for that, then I can't help the women that I want to. And I want you to think about that in the same way. When you don't get to work with the clients that you want to, when you don't sell your services well, what is the cost to you and what is the cost to your client? And we want to make this something that is fun and enjoyable and that's something that you feel like it's not stressful and that it's easeful, if that's even a word. Is that a word? Anyway, we're going to use that word. And so that's what we're talking about today. And I'm excited to share this episode with you. But listen, before we dive into the podcast, I just want to thank Twister Twist from the UK, who left me a gorgeous review, which says, binge worthy, engaging and value packed, five stars. I love how personable the podcast is while dropping real value with actionable steps. Time well spent. So thank you, Twister Twist, whoever you are, lovely person. I so appreciate you leaving a review. And just remember, you can go to suechadwick.com forward slash podcast review and easily leave a review right there, which helps others to find me. And so without further ado, let's dive into this week's episode. Cody, welcome to the Brand Builders Lab podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Very excited to be here today. I'm so excited. So Cody, we met on Clubhouse. My audience are now used to me saying this one time on Clubhouse, uh, (laughs) (laughs) which I talk about all the time. But you have been running NLP rooms and then you kind of have now partnered up with one of my fave people on the platform and generally in the branding space, Christo, which has been pretty amazing talking about sales, mindset, things like that. And so I'd love to know for my audience that don't know you, what do you do right now? What's your business and how did you end up here? Yeah, great question. So I actually started doing um, sales coaching. That's how I got into the industry wanting to uh, help people. And what I found was that people really needed help. And when I say people, it's entrepreneurs and coaches, a lot of just very heart centered individuals that loved what they did and had a very good delivery, but couldn't sign people on in the process. So um, what I did is I started out sales coaching. And this came from my background being a sales manager. Uh, I was running a finance firm, we had 30 people. And my main job was just training them how to sell. So when I went into the coaching environment, my goal was to be a quote unquote, like life coach, like Tony Robbins. Um, And it seemed that people very quickly understood my background. We're like, hey, I respect that you want to help me with this. But what I really need help with is the sales part. So now what I've done is I've I've blended that with my background of being an NLP trainer uh, to create very, very powerful shifts in the subconscious mind. Uh, that way, we're not just selling consciously or selling like everyone else does, but we're using different methods of ethical influence. I love that. And so how did you learn to sell? Where did you learn to sell? Yeah, you know, it's funny, actually. I got a phone call from an old buddy that I had, and he's like, dude, I got this amazing opportunity for you. Um, you're going to be great at it. It's a sales position. And I was like, okay, I, I came, I was doing um, room service for a five-star resort. So hospitality at this time, I was like 22 years old. And I was like, okay, you know, sounds good. Tell me more about it. He's like, you got to meet up with me in person. And I'm like, is this one of those like MLM sort of things? So (laughs) we go to Starbucks, I meet up with him. And one of the first things he says, I'm like, well, how much is the pay? And he's like, well, it's, it's commission only. So you have potential to make a lot of money, but if you don't sell anything, you don't make anything. And I was like, all right, man, thanks for the meeting. Have a great night. I got to head out now. This does not sound like something I can do at this current time. And he's like, whoa, whoa, hold on. 
just trust me, listen, there's so much potential for with what you're going to be able to do. I already know. And I was like, dude, I've never sold anything in my life. And long story short, I ended up taking this job as in the mortgage industry. My very first month there, I became the top producer. And I was like, okay, this is actually fun. I get to talk to people and I get to help people. And the sales process came relatively easy. And then I started moving up in that journey. Um, I got four or five different sales positions. I became a sales manager at that firm I was telling you about. Uh, and what I really learned was that my passion wasn't selling necessarily. It was training people how to sell. And I felt like that's where I really stood apart because there's a lot of people that are good at sales, but the ability to train it to someone, just like anything, to be a teacher of something is completely different. Uh, and it just, it lights me up. So that's how I got started in my sales background. I love it. So you are obviously just a natural, natural salesperson. Do you reckon you were like that as a kid? Yeah, no. And so that's the, that's the other side is that I, I became a natural by a lot of work that I did, understanding communication, psychology, selling a lot of the, the actual sales training that I did. But I was actually a very shy kid growing up to the point where like, I still get comments from people that knew me back in middle school and even high school. And they're like, are you the same Cody that I used to know? My, my grandma actually, um, she saw one of my speaking videos that I did. And she's like, is this the same Cody that was scared to go in the ball pit at McDonald's? Like I was just such a shy kid, afraid of everything, especially speaking to someone. So um, I became a natural by a lot of studying. So it wasn't something that I was just born good at, unfortunately. Oh, well, obviously you've made up for it now. Uh, and so we were just chatting before we started recording and I was explaining to you my audience and everything. And we were just saying people know NLP, but they don't mm -hmm. really know what NLP is. So we hear right. it a lot. We know that people can be certified in it. You can do training in it. Uh, but what exactly is NLP and what do we need to understand about it before we kind of dive into how we use it? Yeah, so I, I made what, what we call an NLP a generalization, where you generalize something with a big blanket statement. Um, I taught a training on the third of this month. And what I did in this workshop, I said, NLP is easiest described from my perspective in three ways. Way number one is communication. The bucket number two is going to be how the mind works. So understanding that everyone has their own model of the world. And it sounds very elementary and basic, like, yeah, of course, we're all different. But when you can really understand that, and you really understand that everyone's doing the best they can with their current level of consciousness, the way that you operate and move, especially in a sales call, is completely different. And number three of that bucket is change work. So different techniques that we can do or different processes that we can use um, to help people. One of them is going to be like releasing a limiting decision or a limiting belief. We have a process where we can walk through someone's timeline to release the moment they decided to believe something. And that's kind of part of the work that I did um, as far as getting over my shyness and really getting to the root of what it was through that timeline work. I uncovered where I decided, quote unquote, to be shy. So just to summarize it, three easy ways for us all to grasp. It's understanding how to communicate, understanding why people do what they do, how the brain works and helping create change at the subconscious level. So all three of those different buckets combined can make someone a very, very effective salesperson um, when they understand how to use it intentionally. That's so interesting. What was the moment we decided to be or do something? And I think yeah. that that's probably a really powerful process for a lot of people as well to actually go through that uh, and dig deeper because do you find that people just find it really hard to remember? Like 
I kind of feel like I have beliefs and I do things that I do. And I am somebody that definitely challenges my thinking on a regular basis, but to go back and kind of go, where did that belief come from? Or like, why do I think that? That would take a lot for me to try and figure that out. Do you find people struggle with it? You know, that's a great question, Suze. And the main thing is that if you try to recall or recollect anything, you're doing it consciously at the conscious level. What we're doing in this timeline timeline work is going to the subconscious. So it's completely different. And the way that your subconscious mind works is every single thing you've ever done from the time that you were born until now is all stored in your memory. But remembering it is a whole different story. If I were to ask you what you did, or let's just say when the first time that you felt anger, when that was, you might say, oh, I was 16 and my mom yelled at me. But when we work with the subconscious mind through like timeline work, you're going to go back and say, I was three years old and this happened. And it's almost mind blowing. The first time I learned this and experienced this, I was like, this doesn't make sense. It it can't be true. It doesn't like resonate with me because it was just so far out there. And the more I started working with it and understanding it, the more powerful it became. So yes, Mm -hmm. the average person, none of us can remember these things at the conscious level, but it is all stored subconsciously. So if I go and ask someone something like, Suze, when did you decide that? Two things are happening. Is one, I'm putting you at cause for what you just said, meaning that you can make that decision to decide something. And that also means you're empowered to make a new decision. So if I were to ask you, Suze, when did you decide that? Most people probably say something like, well, well, I didn't. And then I can say, well, who decided that for you? And again, it's putting all the control in my hands when I realized I decided that. And then literally we'll go back to that time, assess what made you decide something and then release that decision to believe something. And once you do that, um, your life begins to sort of rewire or reprogram, um, which is sort of where the neurolinguistic programming came from was understanding that you are literally running programs from your entire life and you can change them um, at will if you know how to. Yeah. And my listeners will know, I talk about reframing all the time. Like, what do I believe now and what could the reframe be? And how do I implement that reframe to now embrace that more in my life and change my actions and what I do? And obviously this is a much deeper level, but uh, but I love that. That's definitely uh, something that we want to learn to be able to do a lot more. I want to talk about how we use this in business and in sales. But before we do that, I feel like I almost want to preempt something where people are like, is this ethical? Like, should we be messing with people's minds? You know how we're like, you know, when it comes to sales using NLP, I feel like there sometimes are people that are like, is it okay to do that? Like, is it, is it shoddy? Is it dodgy for us to like, you know, mess with how people think in order to sell something. And what would you say to that? Yeah, that's a great topic. And I've actually heard that quite often as well. Um, So the way that I believe is that unless you're lying to someone or physically manipulating what they think about something, which is kind of just, it's lying about your service. um, I think that there's, there's nothing that you can really do to influence something, to do something they don't want to do. And on the other side of that, if I have like, let's say that my NLP certification program, I can make that more attractive to you by understanding your motives and your drivers and how you make decisions, what you value, whether it's like family, and I can speak to your family, how this can help you. Um, But again, it's all doing things for you and that intention. Um, And there's a lot of famous politicians and presidents, um, marketers and advertisers that will use different things in NLP um, to make things sound better. And anytime you learn how to communicate, you can use it either for good to be someone who is leading like a revolution 
of change, or you can use it for bad. Someone who has the ability to communicate um, effectively, but using it to create a cult or create something that's very bad in a movement like that. So it's all about the intention that you have doing it um, and what your overall goal is. If your goal is to just become a better communicator so you can get one over on people, um, I would say that's something that people can pick up on very, very quickly when someone is doing NLP. And I've heard a few people say, oh, I once encountered someone who was doing NLP. And the way that I see it is that you're never really doing NLP. It's just, it becomes a part of you, the way that you understand people and how they do things. So it's not necessarily, you can't change something in their mind if they don't want it changed. Um, it's sort of like you have to have that, again, when I said being at cause, realizing that you're empowered to create that change, NLP is always a done with you process, never a done to you process. Meaning that if someone were to walk into my office or if we were having a seminar and someone says, yeah, you know what, just, just fix me, I guess, just fix me. I don't believe it's gonna work, but just fix me or something like that. There's nothing I can do because the change is always happening from them. Yeah, I love that. That's so good. <laughs> awesome. And so now that we know that it is really about understanding people and how we communicate with them. Yeah. How are you seeing people use it in business? I mean, we sort of touched a little bit on it, but what sort of things uh, are they, is it helping them to do better? Yeah, good question. I think sales is just the number one thing that comes up because it is so congruent with selling. It kind of goes hand in hand, the communication aspect and selling. Um, other ways in business that people will use it to create better results in their clients. You mentioned something like reframing. Uh, reframing, you don't need to have an NLP background to understand, um, but in NLP, we teach like 16 different reframes so you can use them effectively at different times intentionally. Um, so, you know, there's two different ones that are like very big blanket statements, a context reframe and a meaning reframe. So what else could this mean? And what other context could this actually be appropriate? So those are two basic ones. And then you get into deeper ones that you can use and you can start to do this stuff like on your sales calls. And people know that you're doing it, but you're helping them overcome stuff. And what I found is that a lot of times before I, I ever became a coach, I was coaching people on sales calls to make decisions. If they were like an objection, for example, if someone's stuck with an objection, I see it as a problem. If I can help them solve that problem, let's say I use reframing as an example to help them make that decision, it's doing them a service as well as myself. And what we were kind of chatting about earlier was that selling is serving. Um, and my business name is actually served by selling. So I, I believe strongly in heart-centered sales and what it can do to help people. Um, there's been times, my first business coach I ever hired, I couldn't afford it, but he, he made me make that decision by helping coach me through that process. And it was one of the best decisions I've made financially. So um, I would say selling, I'd say understanding marketing. Like when I put up content, a lot of it is filtered through my understanding of what's going to sound good, what's going to sound effective, um, and what am, I, what am I saying this for? Meaning everything that I, I say or try to say is with intention. Um, I have this acronym, it's called WAIT, W-A-I-T, which is why am I talking? And I try to always remember that. So one, I don't go too long-winded like I'm doing now. And two, if I'm making content or a caption, every word that I use is used purposefully uh, and not just filler. So I would say those are just some, uh, some overview ways that I see NLP used in business currently. 
I love that. Why am I talking? That's so good. And Cody, I have to say, you do have a radio voice. So even though you think you're being long-winded, it's actually quite nice to listen to. So you're all good. <laughs> I think that's one of your assets. It's just uh, the microphone, I promise you. It's just this new mic. <laughs> Cody got a new microphone. <laughs> I love it. Clubhouse has definitely made you up your audio game, hasn't it? Oh yeah, for sure. I love it. So good. For sure. And so I'd love to talk about, cause we are going to talk about some of the tips as well. So I was obviously sharing with Cody that some of the conversations that I have with my audience are around objection handling when it comes to sales and that, that feels really hard for them. So what if somebody says, well, I need to speak to my husband or they say, uh, uh not right now, maybe later or, um, oh, I'm just not sure. Let me get back to you. Like there's all of these things that we get on a regular basis. And I know, and right off the top of my head, I should have written them down. I know that there are like three or four main objections that I think people give on a regular basis. And maybe we can talk a little bit about that, but I would love to talk about number one, what are some of the mistakes that people are making when it comes to sales conversations? And then maybe we can move into some Mm. of the tips on how to be better. Yeah, I would say just the first thing that comes to my head, and I've listened to probably over 200 sales calls. So uh, my previous job when I was working for corporate, my favorite thing to do was to actually have someone's live call. We had them all tracked and there was hundreds of calls that we had just in a data bank. And I'd go into a conference room with either one all the way up to 10 or 15 different people and play someone's call and literally every five seconds hit pause and dissect what was just said and how it played on the other person's brain. Meaning if you said something, did this even make sense? Did this help the person or was this completely confusing? Did they overtalk the sale? Did someone ask a question that they completely just went on a tangent on or ignored it or blew, blew past it? And so I would say one thing that I, I see often and I hear is that there's no structure on a sales call, meaning there's no defined start and finish. And if, you're, if you don't have that in mind, it's going to be very hard for you to flow to the finish line. And it feels more um, conversational is good, but it feels more loose and almost like who, who's really in charge here? Who's the authority? And if I'm a prospect and I'm, I want to sign up for your service and I'm doing most of the, um, the question asking as far as like, okay, well, what is she going to tell me next? I'm going to lose that faith in you that you're the authority I should be trusting. So I would say it's, it's honestly a lack of empathy with what is being said. Um, for example, I might say something like, yeah, you know, just, I'm kind of stuck in my business right now, Suze. My branding's not too good. And you'd be surprised how often, and I've done this live on Clubhouse, someone say, okay, and the next question. And it's like, you could have used that, that momentum to capitalize on to help that person to show you actually care about them. And I could say something like, wow, Suze, okay, how long has it been going on for? And just simple things like that, like actually caring for people is such a huge game changer. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of people do care for that prospect, but I think they get so nervous on that sales call, they don't show it. And they're so concerned with what am I gonna say next? They don't spend enough time actually working and going deep enough to uncover what that person really needs. And I think one of the things that I always think about as well, cause I love that is what's their desire. Like, yeah. what is it that they desire? Like when you say to me, you know, something, Sue's my branding's just not where I want it to be. Well, Cody, what would you love it to look like? How do you want people to feel when they come in contact with you? Like, what is it that you want to do in the world? What do you want to be? Like, who do you love? Why do you love right. them? Like all of that, I think just really understanding like what, 
because I'm in this conversation for a reason. I have a desire. I'm not there yet. And I think that that could be for anything. It could be for website designers or copywriters or no matter what you do, it's like somebody's coming to you. We always talk about solving a problem, which Mm -hmm. I think is great, but I'm just like, what, what, how do they envisage what it is that they want this to be? And I think that if we can kind of get into that, then people kind of feel like, oh, this is exciting. Like this person yeah. is, is potentially helping me to bring my desires to life. And what you just said is so key that we always want to solve a problem. But when we have that as our main goal in mind, let's say we're working together and you were to say something like, okay, cool. Yeah, I can help you out with that. It's like, does she say that to everyone without really understanding the structure of what my problem is? Because if I tell you my, my branding sucks and you say, okay, this is what I charge for branding work, I'm going to say, whoa, you don't even know what I need. Mm. So in those moments, if we can just take a quick moment off of trying to solve that problem and simply understand the structure of the problem, like exactly what you just did so beautifully, once you can do that, it makes that person really feel seen, heard, and understood, and you know what you need to do. It's kind of like if you were to go in somewhere, if I were to drive into a mechanic and say, hey my car is taking, it's making this weird sound. And he were to say, okay, yeah, you need a new engine. I can help you. It's going to be this price. I would want to run. But that person (laughs) that's like, okay, well, talk to me about what your goals are and what your needs are. Let me go ahead and take a look under that hood and see what really needs to happen. And then once you do that, it becomes very apparent what people need. And the good side about that is there's been times I've, I've worked with people or I've done calls like this for a sales call. And I'm like, to be honest, I don't really think that the NLP certification is going to give you what you need in your business. If someone is completely struggling in their business and can't find clients and is about to go broke, an NLP certification, yes, it's great because you can create deep results, but is it going to help you immediately get clients by having a a certificate? It's not. So again, it's by me understanding what they're looking for that will really allow me to speak back to them. And once I understand, like, let's say that I understand what you need or what you value, Now you brought up objections. If you bring up an objection to me, now I can speak to your objection with your exact words, your language, and exactly what your problem is and what drives you to actually need this. So the reason why you can't do it, you mentioned something earlier, um, not right now. Now I can speak to it. If you're stuck in your business, not making money, this is exactly why you must do it because you can't afford it. The exact fact that you can't do it is why you need to, so you can get out of this position. Mm -hmm. So Um, That's a bit of my take of of why I like to go deep. It's not just to ask questions for um, to get to know someone necessarily, but it's because that is really going to show me how I can help someone if I can help them at all. Yeah, I love that. That's so good. And I do think you said it a little earlier. Uh, People get so nervous on the call that they just ask the questions. And so I think just spending that time and, and really seeking to understand, I think is definitely a pitfall or mistake that people make, but it's something that can be easily rectified as well if you just try and dig a bit deeper too. So I'd love to go into some of the strategies that my listeners can take away when it comes to how they handle those calls and the conversations that they have. I think one of them is the serving, uh, selling is serving mindset. And I think we have kind of started with that, you know, go deeper. That's a great first tip. Uh, right. or strategy for them. What other things could we be doing or thinking about or just be aware of? Yeah, good question. So with what we're talking about overall, that aspect of not empathizing enough or not understanding that person enough, or just simply asking that question too quickly, 
um, there's two things that come to mind. The first one is simply a transition. So if you were to say, yeah, Cody, um, you know, I'm just, I'm struggling in my sales calls right now. I can say something like, okay, so you're having a hard time with the sales calls. I get it. And then next question and going on versus simply, okay, how long has that been going on for? Okay. Whatever areas of your life is that affecting? And it, it might sound like, yeah, I get it. It's common sense. But again, on that call, so many people do it. And I've heard this hundreds of times where people will fire off questions like they're interrogating someone and it makes that person uh, reluctant to open up. So the transition is something that's so simple and so key. You can just simply repeat what they said or rephrase it or just say, okay, that makes sense. And then ask your next question. What it's really going to do is make that person feel heard and it's going to have a nice flow to your conversations. That way you're not just firing off question after question. Um, the next one that I like to call it is like inflating then deflating the balloon or the problem. So if you were to say, you know, Cody, my, my sales process, um, it's just, it's horrible. I'm not making any sales. I might say something like, Ooh, okay. How long do you want to keep it that way for? And you kind of hear my tone go up as I'm doing the voice fluctuation to question and make you really think about that. And you could say something like, well, I, I can't. And I can say, okay, are you going to be able to, to actually stay in business if you're not making sales? So again, I'm inflating the problem because sometimes people need to understand that this problem now is going to be a huge problem down the line. The same way that if you were to go to a dentist and they see you have a cavity, they're going to say, hey, you really need to get this taken care of before you need a root canal. And as a salesperson, sometimes doing that is in that person's best interest. And that's where I have that company name served by selling. Because once you can actually sell your service, it, if like, let's say I have something that's so amazing. If you're really struggling out in your business, Suze, and all I, all I know that it is, is you need help selling for you to be able to stay in business. It is a disservice of me to you to not do everything I can to help you make that decision. Because I know deep down that is what you need. And that's really where the ethics comes into play. Because if I'm trying to push you to make a sale, you're going to feel that. And we've all seen or heard a pushy salesperson. It's never comfortable. But when you really have that person's best interest in mind, meaning if Suze is not the exact person that I can help, or if what I have is not going to serve her to get her an ROI, I'm not even going to sell it. And I've probably taken literally Suze over a hundred different sales calls, if I were to estimate, of people that I didn't even pitch, that I just said, hey, I'm not sure this is what you need right now. And whether that's because it just wasn't gonna benefit them, or I didn't think that they were someone that can actually take action on it. And having that, that power is something that is just so, um, I, I believe in God, and I believe God really does bless you when you can tell someone ethically, hey, I, I respect what you're looking for, and I don't think this is it, but this may be a better direction for you to head. So. I would say uh, embody that mindset that you do not need every prospect to become a client for you to actually have a business. That not the goal is not to pitch every single person. It's literally to qualify and disqualify some people. And doing so, it just gives you massive authority because now I know when I get on a sales call, if I can help this person, I'm going to show up at my fullest, at my best. So you can inflate that problem and then deflate the problem. The way that I inflated it saying, showing you how much more of a problem, problem it could be. And then I can say, well, I designed week three of my sales course to go over exactly this. Next question. So now I'm starting to plant those seeds of what they're going to get and how I can solve that problem um, by deflating and then inflating that balloon. So those are two, again, um, long strategies, but just to summarize, it's that transition and uh, inflate and deflate the balloon or the problem. And I think that's going to be a, a nice, it'll add a nice flow to your conversation.
Yeah. And I also think that when we do that, I want to come back to a couple of things that you just said there is when we are in the mindset of, is this the right person to start with? So is, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't even need to pitch this person. I don't really need to go into the sales conversation because it's probably not right. I think that when you have that abundance mindset and you are really wanting to work with the right people who you know that you can help them, I think that the conversation can definitely be a lot deeper and you're coming from a place of excitement and that you you absolutely can help them. And I think that when there are objections and you really feel like, you know something, I know I can help you to achieve what you want, they can feel that. People can feel that. So when you're doing the objection handling, because I know that it's kind of like when people are buying something, they're thinking, am I able to do this? So it's a belief in themselves. Can this person actually help me to do it and then all any other objections that they might have around time money etc and I think that if you're coming from that place of authenticity and and selling to serve I think people can feel it and I think that they're all right with the challenges to the objections that they might have as well but I'd love to just touch on that what are your thoughts around the pushing and when I say pushing, that's probably not the right word, but it's like when somebody is kind of, you can see that they really want it and you can right. see that it's going to help them, but they are stuck in that, oh, I don't, I don't want to make a decision. I don't know how to make a decision. How do you sort of help them to make that decision? Yeah. So I work with actually a lot of women too, that are very heart centered, very, they want a soul aligned business. It's kind of like mm. a word that a lot of women use and how they want to make their sales process. And I'm like, okay, cool. That is exactly what you can do for your process. And you don't need to be that pushy, typical used car salesman stereotype. And what I think that if I can push you in the right direction, are you going to be happy that I'm there pushing you? Meaning that if you really want it and you really need it, but your only problem is money. And I say, okay, Suze, let me ask you, is that the the total price of my package or is it the monthly plan that's too much? And you'll say, well, honestly, both. And I can say something like, okay, if I was able to take half of that monthly down as a deposit and give you a few more weeks to make the rest up, would that be easier for you? So some people would consider that pushy when done as like a science, meaning just reading off a script. But when you do it with art, the art of the delivery, it doesn't become pushy at all. And you'd be surprised at how many people have thanked me and say, Cody, thank you for believing in me enough to not fall for my own beliefs that I didn't have. And the way I see it is on a sales call. And again, it always comes back to intention. Can you help this person? That is really what it always comes back to. And I'm sure as you know, branding, it might not be for everyone at the, at the right time. There's a different time that someone else might need it. They might need lead generation or something that's completely different. So if they need it, Again, it's a disservice for me not to help them from that situation. And I believe Tony Robbins says this, that on every sales call, there are two sales that are being made. Either one, you are buying into their limiting beliefs. They're selling you on their limiting beliefs and you guys both lose. Or two, they're buying into a new future you can help them create and you guys both win. So that is truly the way that I see sales. And I I think that's why it's so easy to say, hey, you know what, Suze, I don't think that we're the right fit. Um, But what you should probably do is look for someone that can help you out in this area. And then once you can do that, I think that it really allows you to just artfully be that quote unquote, or give that push that someone needs to help them um, do it. And again, the same way that there's been times that I've been sold 
by different coaches. Like when I was growing my business at the very beginning of, I didn't say yes right away. I said, okay, let me think about it. And I'm so glad they said, yeah, okay, well, let me ask you, what is it you need to think about? Is it the money or if this is going to work for you? And then what I just did is I just presented that person with which one is it one or the other. So it's like, it's like option selling, but now I'm option objection handling which one really is it? Because no one needs to literally think about it. You just haven't built enough value in what you're doing. Mm -hmm. So if I can say, Suze, I totally get that you need to think about it. You know, at times I like to think about big decisions as well. So let me ask you, is it that you need to think about the money if you can afford it or if this can even help your business? And I can almost guarantee it's going to be the money because money, no one wants to spend money that freely. So now instead of working with that smokescreen objection of, yeah, let me think about it, Suze, I'll get back to you. We have, a real, we have a real root of a problem to work with, which is now money. And then again, once I'm going to answer that objection around money, that is what can truly make the sale. Because if I try to sit there and talk to you about, well, you know, thinking about things doesn't really help, it, you can reject that. It's going against your model of the world of you needing to think about it. So again, I don't really find that real objection overcome until I've asked a few more questions and got a little bit deeper. It's kind of like I think about it on, on Clubhouse sense. Um, oftentimes, I'm sure you heard this too, where someone will ask a question and instantly like a bunch of moderators want to fire off advice. This is how I do it. Okay, this is what you need to do. And it can be so conflicting. And what I always like to do is understand the structure of their concern. Meaning, okay, can you tell me more about what you mean? And there's been so many times where I was going to give someone advice and I found out the way what they were talking about was completely different than I was just going to project on them. So um, that's what I would say is to, to really dig deeper by asking questions and you can present a different objection to someone. And I think I said it earlier, but the way that I see an objection is simply problem solving. And if I'm going to help you solve a problem, just people thinking about that right now can almost feel a different energy versus handling someone's objection. It can feel a bit combative, but if I'm helping you solve a problem, it can just be very friendly and conversational. Like, okay, Suze, I, I get that. Let me help you find a solution. And I think that's when the process really changes. Yeah. And I think that just being somebody who that's how you think, like, let me seek to understand more. You know, I was mm -hmm. on Clubhouse yesterday or the day before and somebody was asking me, you know, I just don't know how to talk about what I do. And so, you know, I could have given her a whole lot of tips on how she could talk about what she did, but I just asked her a whole lot of questions and together we came to what felt really good for her and what she's used before, yeah. what hasn't worked, um, you know, what she wants to lean into, what her clients say about her. So I just think if we can come at any conversation with potential clients from that let me just seek to understand as much as possible, then obviously mm -hmm. one, they, they feel that empathy, they feel heard. Um, and two, we can, as you were just saying, kind of repeat back to them what they wanted and then whether this is going to be right for them or not as well and, and handling yeah. those objections that they've got. 100%. And that's, that's really the only way that you know. And I think about it because I had a few people in my group coaching program that they came to me saying, hey, I want to be a more effective communicator. And so what did I do? This is when I first started my program. I said, okay, cool. And in my NLP trainers course, the first nine days were all about public speaking, presenting and teaching by understanding group rapport, uh, group, rapport group psychology, uh, different formats for storytelling. And I was like, okay, let me put together a public speaking like little course for them so I can walk them through and teach them what I knew. And then what I found out in doing so was that half the people that wanted to become a better communicator never even cared about becoming a public speaker. 
So if I would ask them, in what areas do you want to be a better communicator? I could have found out that, okay, maybe it's conflict resolution, or maybe it's talking to your spouse, or maybe it's on a sales call. And so again, I wouldn't really know that until like you just said, we really seek to understand. And I think that it's in the seven habits of highly effective people um, by Stephen Covey. One of them says, seek first to understand before trying to be understood mm. or something to that extent. Yeah. And it, it sounds again, very basic, but when you can embody that, it's just so, so powerful. And it changes the way that you sell for sure. I love it. What other things do we need to be aware of, Cody? Yeah, as far as like problems that people may make, yeah. Oh, well, what else can we do to uh, have better conversations to convert more clients? So let's sort of take this. So now somebody's come to us, we're making the decision whether they're the right person for us. We're doing the inflating and deflating where we're listening to what it is that they're saying. Um, we've maybe had some objection handling uh, or opportunities where we can say, is it the money or is it the, you know, whether you believe that you can do this? Is there anything that's kind of next around closing the sale or kind of wrapping mm. it up with a nice little bow that feels good for everybody? Yeah. So I'd say one thing that comes to mind is a method called the AER that I teach. Um, and it's acknowledge, empathize, and reassure, or you can substitute the R for respond. And if you said something earlier, like, um, I need to talk to my husband, what I can say is like, yeah, I completely understand that I'm acknowledging you. And I would want to consult my husband as well. I'm empathizing with you. And then I can respond or reassure and say, so let me ask you, if we were able to get him on the phone right now, I'm sure he's going to have a bunch of questions as well. Is that something that would help you? So again, I'm not just going off and firing my rebuttal that people call it, but I'm acknowledging you. I'm empathizing with everything that you say. And then, and only then am I going to respond. So um, that's one way. And I, I've taught that to probably 300 people now, and it works for almost any objection that you ever think of. AER, acknowledge, empathize, and then reassure them how this is going to help them out in that situation. Um, and I think that'd be the best first step someone can take to adding more structure to their sales call. Uh, and remembering that as that person, and I think a lot of people, a lot of coaches that we work with, um, they think like, well, why would someone listen to me? And even at different levels, they think that that person's going to come on and almost just like want to bring them down and not respect who they are. But I found that usually happens when I'm not respecting who I am. But when I come in so certain in what my process is, I'm going to transfer that energy over to you. And what selling really is at the core is a transfer of energy. If I can transfer the energy of how passionate I am about my course or about my program, you're going to feel that as well. And that's happening subconsciously, like you're doing by smiling. That's a subconscious indicator that you're happy. But if you were going to say, Cody, like you're going to love this branding, it's going to be the best thing you ever had. I can reject that because now you're telling me something. But instead, you can substitute like social proofing, for example, and say, I've helped quite a few people in your same situation. And this is the result. These are the results that they got. And I can't really deny that because I don't know those people. So um, if you think about it in that way, we're a lot more likely to reject something that we're being told, um, but we're a lot more likely to be bought into something that we come up with ourselves. So if I can ask you things like, do you think this would benefit your, your business, Suze? And obviously, I already know the answer, but it's, it's really to get your feedback. It's to keep you engaged in the conversation. And it's to have you start to say, yeah, I, I do think that it is. And then from there, I can say, okay, great. So where do you want to take it? Or what do you think would be the most help for you? Is it going to be a six-month program or the three-month program? And so one last thing that comes to mind that I, I've heard so often from new and experienced salespeople is they're not actually asking for the sale. 
when you recognize that someone's interested, what do you do next? It's almost that awkward tension where they feel like, okay, is your pitch going to come on? Like, am I being pitched to right now? Instead of just saying, okay, cool. Yeah. Which one would you like to do? Or which one benefits you more? And it just becomes so natural and so easy. And that's the best gift you can give for a prospect is make that conversation um, feel easy for them and fun. Yeah, I love that. I was smiling because I always say to my uh, my students, I'm like, if you're excited, they'll be excited. Like if you're genuinely excited and you show like the amazing results your clients get or show whatever it is that you do when you talk about it with passion and you story sell is what I talk about. You know, it's, yeah. it's like me just showing what's happening and how amazing it is. Like that is selling because people are right. like, I want to be part of that. Like I, how do I join? Like, where do I sign up? Which I think is um, amazing as well. And also yes to closing, which would you like? I'll send you the link now. Do you have any other questions? Like, let's, what's the action? Let's, what's, you know, next? Yeah. Yeah. And on that note too, with what you just said, I, I think it's so important that if like, let's say that I really wanted your service and you're selling it to me and you say, okay, great. Um, so like, when did you want to do this? And I say, let's say I even say now, and you say, okay, here's my link to go sign up or here's what you need to do. What I would want to do is take off every bit of work for that prospect, because the more work it is, the more likely they're going to have buyer's remorse. And the more likely they're going to sit there and think about, do I really want to do this? So again, if you make it as easy as possible for that person, what I'd say is, okay, great, Suze, what's the card number you want to use for that today? And I will do all the work for you to make sure that it's as seamless and efficient as possible. So again, I'm always leading that. And a lot of times people will say, okay, can I, do you want me to send you over an email? And almost every time the sale is lost by doing that. It, a sale is more likely to happen on the phone when you can walk it all the way through instead of um, leaving that next step hanging. And that's kind of what I mean by asking for the close is that a lot of coaches are so scared to be pushy that they don't want to ask for money. But again, if what you have can really help someone, uh, you have every right to say, yeah, let me go ahead and help you out. Now, this is going to benefit you. I'll get this process going. So before any sales call that I'm on, I always assume three things. So if we were going to get on a sales call right now, I would have three pre uh, presuppositions or things that I'm assuming in my head. It's that Suze is going to sign up with me. She's going to pay in full and she's going to pay today. And I'm not going to assume her situation unless she tells me otherwise. Meaning I'm not going to look at your Instagram and say, oh, well, she's not at the level of a client I usually work with. Or I don't know if she's going to be able to afford this. Or like, oh man, my program's a lot. Like, I don't know. I don't know if she's going to be able to, to do this. I'm assuming that person's situation. And a lot of salespeople do that and they get in their own head of doing that. Mm -hmm. So I always assume the best unless that person tells me otherwise. And by having those assumptions in my head, now when I go to ask for the sale, it feels normal and natural because I've already assumed that you're going to do that. As yeah, opposed to asking that. like, do you even want to do this? Because then it's like, should I not want to? Um, and I, I just, it's so funny hearing different salespeople um, that do that. Yeah. Yeah. My coach always says, stay out of people's wallets. It's none of your business. Yeah. Because sure. you've got no idea. You know, it's, I was saying ages ago, a few years ago that I had somebody that wanted to join one of my programs and she's like, I can't afford it. And at the time I was like, yeah, like, that's fine. Whatever. Like when you, when you get a chance and then a couple of, like a month later, she was in New York and I'm like, it's not that we can't afford things. It's that we make a decision about what we want to prioritize and what's important oh, yeah. to us in that moment. And I always think back to that. And I always think that's so interesting. Like at the time I probably didn't 
didn't communicate the value or I didn't Mm -hmm. speak to her desires, uh, those sorts of things, because obviously the money's there. It's just a choice where we spend it. Uh, But yeah, just staying out of your client's wallets and not, you know, get going there, I think is one less thing you have to, you know, stress over. Yeah. And I think that's so good because I I wrote something down here. I want to share just with that same notion. A lot of people have that mindset going into sales and just like anything in life, people say it's like 80% psychology and 20% strategy or mechanics, same way with sales. And I can give someone the exact script that I might use. It doesn't mean they're going to be able to close the same way. They could close way better or way worse because it's not about what I'm saying. It's how I'm saying it and why I'm saying certain things at certain times. So thinking about it from that way, if I have that mindset that again, staying out of that person's wallet, if they do give me an objection, like I can't afford it, I'm going to be able to work with them in a much different way. And this is what I mean. So many times I hear people like, let's say I say, okay, Suze, how much is the price? And you might say something like, oh, um, it, it depends. And instantly my voice is going down and it's like, whoa, and, and that person's going to feel that energy that you have because sometimes we're so scared to talk about money and we're scared to talk about finances. And that's why the NLP work that we do is so powerful because we go and change people's beliefs around money, selling, communication, asking for the sale. Once we start with that, it's like a clean slate we're working with when it comes to creating a salesperson. So I hear it all the time where someone's voice will go down when someone asks, they'll ask them directly about their program or the cost. And their voice just completely gives it away. And they'll say something like, oh, well, yeah, it depends. Or, oh, um, yeah, let me go into it right now. Instead of like, yeah, great question. Like, so the the total price is going to be this. And once I'm, again, sending that energy out, you're going to feel that certainty and that clarity in what I'm doing. And you're going to have confidence now in making that decision. But if I have even 1% of a lack of clarity or certainty in my my offer or presentation, you're going to have that times 10 because you don't know me, you don't know what I do, you don't know what I'm capable of. And for all I know that you just think that whoever you're talking to is another person trying to make a sale. You don't know how heart-centered someone is. So we always have a wall up and a guard up, mm-hmm. which is natural. And the best thing that you can do for someone is show them, hey, my intention of this call is going to be to see if I can help you. And if not, I'm not gonna, there's not gonna be a fee at all because there's nothing I can do for you. And what I might do is point you in the right direction. So letting people know that very, very upfront, it's going to do two things. You're letting their wall down. You're, you're letting them be comfortable and open up to you. And two, you're taking the pressure off. It's like, Hey, I'm not going to try to sell you something that you don't need. Mm-hmm. And once you do that, it, I think it just really sets the tone um, for a very great conversation to happen. Love it. So good. Cody, I feel like you've given us a whole lot of gems then. I've got the AER, which is the Acknowledge, Empathize, Reassure. I love the weight. Why am I talking? I will have to <laughs> think about that myself. Um, the, uh, the Inflate and Deflate, which is great. And I think just, yeah, we were just saying at the end uh, there around really understanding, wanting to understand them, but also letting them know that if it's right, then we'll talk. And if it's not right, then that's okay. And taking the pressure off as well. So really appreciate your time, appreciate all of your knowledge and love the work that you do. So thank you so much. Oh, thank you. And what's happening for you? What's coming up for you? Where can my listeners find you? Yeah. So uh, whether they are looking for sales or NLP, um, Instagram, probably easiest way. I'm sure a lot of your listeners are on Clubhouse, but the general world is not. So codyg.nlp is my Instagram um, so you can find out about the NLP training and certification I do, 
sales consulting, all the workshops that I'm teaching. So I don't know when this is going to go out, but I'm teaching um, a selling with NLP workshop on June 19th. So if that's something that interests anyone, um, it's a very low ticket offer, uh, but you can see all that stuff in my Instagram bio. Yeah. And we'll have all of the links to everything to your Insta and to that workshop and everything in the show notes as well. So make sure you check Cody out. And obviously if you're on Clubhouse, then you can check out the rooms that that he does, which are on NLP and mindset and selling and all the rest of it. I always love your rooms. uh, Likewise, likewise. (laughs) Love what you share. So Cody, looking forward to sharing this with my listeners and yeah, really appreciate you coming on. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. I hope you have a great day. It's like 10 a.m. your time, 5 p.m. my time. So we made the time difference work and it's perfect. We made it happen. I love it. Thanks so much, Cody. All right. Thanks, Suze. Did you love it? Did you love it? Did you love it? I loved it. Is it just me? Does anybody else love to talk about sales? Obviously, Cody does. But I loved some of the things that he shared around weight. Why am I talking? That's so good. A-E-R, acknowledge, empathize, reassure. Like I think that the things that we talked about in this podcast, I hope that you took notes and I hope that if and when you have sales conversations with your potential clients, you are going to adjust the way that you do it if you're not already doing the things that we talked about. So really digging deep, asking lots of questions, understanding what their desires are, what is it the outcome that they want to have, and really having those conversations, like a conversation, not just a question and answer session, but a conversation, and also being able to determine whether the client is right for you. So I feel like this episode is something you should probably listen to again. Make sure you check out the links in the show notes which would just be suzechadwick.com forward slash pod 161, which is how you find all the show notes and check out Cody's workshop because I know that he will go into so much more detail. And I think that if you own a business, this is something that is worth mastering. This is something that is worth really learning about, understanding and getting better at. Because as I said at the very beginning of this episode, you want this to be easeful and not stressful. I love having sales conversations. I'm always excited to speak to potential new clients but it's because I love to have those deep conversations and find out more about them and what it is that they want. So I would highly recommend that you check that workshop out and just start to really think about how you're doing these things too. But I hope that you enjoyed this episode. I absolutely loved it. But that's it for another week. It has been amazing to have you here as always. And remember to follow me on all socials at Suze Chadwick. But thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, then I would love you to leave a review so that others can find the podcast and come and hang out with us every week. The music to this podcast was created by Ixon on SoundCloud. Until next time, have an awesome week and make sure you keep playing big and branding bold.